The biggest rugby tournament of the year is coming to a Green King pub near you. Watch all the unmissable action live as Europe's top six battle it out for glory in the Six Nations tournament. In and out, in and out, for the line! Leave your rivalries at the door and get the team together to watch the Six Nations. Feel the excitement and the buzz of coming together to enjoy matchday food and drink at your nearest Green King sports pub. Scores in the corner! The Six Nations and Green King. 18 plus, drinkaware.co.uk. Hi, it's Alfie here, the presenter of The Ruck. Before we get to this week's episode, I want to tell you about Funding Circle. Funding Circle backs small and medium UK businesses with simple, competitive business finance. They've supported over 90,000 British businesses with £12 billion in finance since 2010. So if you're looking to overcome challenges or push your business forward, Funding Circle provides finance that backs you and your business to succeed. And for that reason, they've teamed up with Saracens and England hooker Jamie George. Visit FundingCircle.com to find out how Jamie is growing his business backed by Funding Circle. Funding Circle, business finance that backs you. Hi, everybody. Welcome to The Ruck, the Times and Sunday Times podcast. Things are reaching some sort of peak in the Six Nations already, a peak of interest and huge standards. And to discuss it all with me today, I've got our two giant columnists, giant in some senses, but not all. Mark Evans, a former boss of global sport. Belgian stilt walking is the only sport he's not been the chief executive of and a big um, nod in the direction of Premier Rugby. There, It's absolutely ridiculous when able people across the sport are not employed in Premiership Rugby, when some of the people who are employed in Premiership Rugby are not very good. Also with this is Al Dimmock, the features editor of Rugby World and one of your favourite panellists. I just want to jump in here, Steve, I just want to jump in here and say I appreciate how much you had Mark wriggling there in his chair. And uh, I... Everyone's had an amazing weekend. I know we're going to jump in and talk about rugby, but I wanted to pose a question to you, Steve, and to you, yeah. Mark, because mm-hmm. I made the foolhardy decision last night of watching, staying up and watching the Super Bowl, which with a 10-month-old was frankly reckless. Brave. And um, the it struck me that everyone was talking about the halftime show, uh, and my mind was cast back to when Mika did the halftime show at the Top 14 final in 2018. Remember that guy? And uh, I just wanted to put to you, Steve, because I'm imagining that you'll hate the idea, is uh, would you like to see a halftime show like the Super Bowl, a Rugby World Cup final or some other major final? Do you know what? I don't think it's... I, I think I would. The only trouble oh, yes. is it takes about three hours to get the pitch, get them all off the pitch and all back on again. So there's a gigantic interruption in play. And I don't think if you say to rugby players, look, lads, come back in an hour. It's, a, ha- it's, a, half hour, re- it's a half hour end to end, the, the halftime oh, show. Okay, but you, you'd have to re-warm up and everything. So they, they wouldn't like it. But, you know, if you had the likes of um, Boney M, for instance, uh, <laughs> could come on and do it all. Uh, I mean, Bruce Springsteen, uh, even Bruce thinks that his halftime show was one of the greatest experiences of, of his career. So... The Archies, Boney M, someone like that, Bruce Springsteen. I think you'd, I think you'd be good, but it's a little bit rich for the taste of rugby's um, marketeers. I feel, don't you? I don't know. We we had um, we in the big game three. We had a halftime with I've forgotten his name now, but it was great. Set <laughs> oh, yeah, on he fire. He, he was great. He, out of, out of uh, the X Factor. I, I think about the halftime show is you can put something on, but it's for the TV audience. No, not for and, yeah. that, and, and, and I. And so sure, I but is that your, such a bad thing? No, of course, no. It's, no, it's a great thing. And my answer to your question is: I will be delighted when the sport gets an event that generates a large enough ordinary audience to make it worthwhile for the advertisers to put a halftime show on of quality. What you shouldn't do is be half-assed about it. You either go full on, right, and yeah. go for a really big yeah. name or you don't bother I just think it's because the potential number of eyeballs that you could get on a Rugby World Cup for, I mean Justin Timberlake once did a, a game <clears> in the middle of Eurovision because he knew how many eyeballs his record company knew how many eyeballs were on Eurovision I'd love to do a Rugby World Cup final that would be terrific you've got about two you can get about two songs in and because and, you haven't got half an hour you've maybe got 20 minutes tops yeah. but oh god give it a you know what I always say this time give it a go come on let's, yeah. let's have a go 
Uh, I, think, I think you're. I think you're right, and Mark. You you've been the leader in all those things in the field, and uh, I, I I just think that we are still we still think that um, marketing is putting up a poster outside the stadium to say you know this this Saturday's match. Well, le- we, we, seg- segueing in beautifully to our first. Did anyone? I mean, I did. I because I'm sad, but the the pregame at Stade de France was terrific. Absolutely terrific. Now that that. Night games are easier to do, of course. That they they are when when you're coming on late, it, it, it it's easier to do. But you know they weren't. They were in the and I thought they did a terrific job. Really, really, really good. And there were fireworks well, on the pitch as well. Mark, uh, there was a time, quite a long time, when the, the Six Nations was the poor relation, and and actually we used to love it because of the fans and the you know and the, and the, and the tension and whatnot. But we never actually thought it was that. Dramatically brilliant. Are you saying now that um, these games, the France Island, for instance, is as good as any in the Southern Hemisphere? Yeah, could have been? I would. I would. I think at the moment, those two sides up here, it's no coincidence they were the two teams beat the All Blacks in the autumn. Mm. Um, and I also think that they have got a really good um, team base, by which I mean Ireland are largely based, not entirely, on Leinster. And Toulouse have a huge influence, particularly at halfback and the front row on France. But it's the sheer, yeah, I suppose I've used the words again, uh, intensity of which both teams play. It's ferocious in terms of the carrying and the the, the tackling and the breakdown. And it was, I, I just found it. A wonderful spectacle to watch, and I know I tipped Ireland for the for the championship, and that's not looking good now. But I think at Lansdowne Road, Ireland. I think you've got two outstanding teams now. I think they both win at home, and it was in Paris. Well, it's it's worth noting actually. If you take Italy out of the equation, every home team has won so far in these mm. Six Nations. Um, I, I don't know what that tells you. It might tell you nothing. It's it's just an interesting thing to note. Uh, just jumping on what Mark said there, there was a sartorial choice that I think is worth uh, picking up on. Uh, Gregory Aldrich seems to have inherited Richie McCaw's invisibility cloak at the breakdown, <laughs> um, and I think he deserves credit for that. I, I think I think that's a skill uh, to, to to go to evade notice uh, when you're there and really slow down ball. But I think for a large part of that game, uh, France just had Ireland's number uh, at the physical contest, particularly in the scrum. There was a moment in mm. the first half where the French pack took Ireland for a walk, and you thought, "Geez, this is they're 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 firing today," but. You know, credit credit to Ireland coming back, and it, yeah, it was just great. I think it's fair enough to say that if you're going to beat what I think is a very very good Irish team, I think they've got a mm. a lot of uh, they can play a lot of different ways, and I think their offensive setup got Andy Farrell rugby league all over it, and it's 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 at a level that not many other teams can match. But if you are going to match them. You take them on up front. You really go for them in the scrummage and in the physical stand because. When do Leinster get beat? They get beat, you might remember, well, I'm sure you do, that time Saracens went to Dublin and did a right number on them up front. Mm. That was largely in the scrum. And La Rochelle last, was it last year or the year before? La Rochelle beat Leinster in a big game with a huge pack and they just took them up, uh, 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 took them on up front. They got no momentum. I know this is true of all teams, but particularly Ireland. And I thought France for... 55 minutes did exactly that and then all credit to Ireland they found a way and I bet France would be quite disappointed actually because the two tries Ireland scored very quickly which turned it into a classic were a bit soft I thought they have good play by Ireland but having defended so well and with such intensity I'm sure France will be really disappointed with that but that if, if Ireland have got an Achilles heel it's you can on a certain day you can get them after them if you've got a really good scrum and you can make it so physical the game ju- their uh, other bits of their game just don't quite get going. I'll just come on to alpha scrum scrumming in, in a second. But Mark, you made a point there. I mean, one of the big the big fears in Irish rugby has been Johnny Sexton's departure, which which is which is I don't know whether it's imminent, but it's certainly not going to be very long. What mm. you're saying is that Carberry. Um, he could be sort of calming the nerves now because if he if he is turning into a good international fly half, then it is a great thing for Ireland's near future. Yeah, I, th- I think Ireland have got a. If you think about it logically, Ireland have got a 
production line of players going at the moment and have done for a, about a decade now, since the golden generation. They're churning them out. The law of large numbers suggests that at some point they will churn out another absolute top quality fly off. I, I think Carty's a really good player too. Agreed. Mm-hmm. From Connacht. And um, I think Carberry, if he hadn't had so many injuries, and he's had a, a heap over the years, he's still not an old, he's not old, he would be further on than he is, but he's this still going to be very good. This was his first start in the Six Nations. I know. That's crazy yeah. to think that. Yeah, I know. But, but... I'll, uh, just, just go to um, the, the big lads. I mean, um, there was a little item yesterday on Weenie Antonio, who, <laughs> to be fair, when he first came into the team, he was a barrage balloon, basically, who sort of floated around at one mile an hour. But blimey, somewhere they've got an athlete out of him. And we always knew if he could do something around the field because of what he does in the scrum. Um, so so Antonio and Big Cyril by up front, that is a heck of a proposition for anybody, isn't it? Absolutely. Um, I, I said yesterday of Winnie Antonio, um, he's about as heavy as uranium and about as, as nice to run into. Um, he's just... Uh, he's enormous. He was obviously very proud of that line. One yeah, of the was, yeah. <laughs> um, but but he, I thought he was exceptional. I mean, that first he played a vital role in that first try. Uh, in I mean, a minute in, France got off to an absolute flyer, and his his hefty work up front, and then into Max pass at a contact to that very. <laughs> Dupont running a line that we're we're all pretty much used to now of watching him run dis- disgustingly good and actually oh. simplistic lines to to get to get onto the ball and and make things happen. But up front, uh, Antonio was ju- was just great. And Cyril Bay, uh, uh, if I've not mentioned on this podcast before, I've think I've said it a lot recently. Is the French coaches are absolutely madly in love with him um, because of the work he can do after the the power and the scrum. He's just got this incredible engine. Okay, sure, he, they went off after fifty minutes, but very much a tactical choice but the uh, um he the way he ran onto the ball to to score his try was just a blur um and he's just one of those modern players where we're, we're going to be talking about it more and more often uh, the guys up front have got all the skills as well as being just horrible to play against up front and you know it was a, it was actually a good weekend for the bigger blokes because furlong had a nice tip on pass that created a break in this game we had ellis genge floating a a 20 meter pass lovely, for a, for a try pass. we had tig burn in this game lacing through a frankly absurd 50 22 kick to get an ireland line out um fair play to the fellas up front and let's not forget that the other thing i thought that won it for france in the end they've got a front five bench that is must be now the envy of the world, with the possible exception of South Africa. But you know, when you're bringing on like people like Demba Bamba and uh, Tafa Fanoa, you are the, the he's 135 kilos. You know, you are I'm not, leaving but, aside. But they play that, a lick as well. It's oh, not like they're, they're not, just posing around. No, you've now got Antonio who can play for 50 minutes when he used to be able to play for 25. Yeah. So now. Leaving aside the fact, I think I don't think we should have eight substitutes, and I think it's ridiculous that it, it, it's a massive, uh, it's a massive advantage to the larger nations. Leave, leave that for another day, right? Uh, you made Please. that point the other day, Mark, and I totally agree with yeah, it. I totally but, agree with but, it. But, well. but but while the rules let's are, talk about that another day yeah, because but, I can but, offer a different view. Yeah, I'm sure you yeah. can. That's, 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 that's it's all about opinion. It's great, isn't it? But the, the leave that for another day. But one of the great advantages of this French team, right? I think is that they've got depth across the park, not just in the 23, but outside the 23 as well. We've talked about the front five, but Mo Fana played in the centre alongside Fuku this week. Well, they've got Dante, and, and we haven't even mentioned the magical French Fijian who we raved about for years. So mm. they've got everything, a Villiers. I mean, I listened to Sean Evers in the week, and, and they said, well, then you scored three tries the week before, so tell us something about him, Sean. And he goes, well, he said, I won't do it. He said, one tough hombre. You know, and you're thinking, well, if Sean Edwards thinks he's a tough kid, because he ain't that big, yeah. he's he's got to be something. There was a and point, I thought there was a he point was terrific where he, again. There was a point where it was sevens on sevens crime. There was a point where he manhandled Hugo oh. Keenan into touch, and he thought, okay, this is set, set a tone. And in fact, if, you know, it wasn't like, Ireland were cl- completely embarrassed up front no, because they, they, they came roaring back and you know they they had front five players playing right into to red time and they were playing they were giving and going and it was a fantastic match to watch that arm wrestle evolve over the match and change a thing that winds me up is when we talk about oh that that team's the better team in the scrum because every scrum is different and mm. at the end of the game could be very different to the start of the game however so if you look at that and you go fantastic contest what was the difference you look at the 80 minutes on the edge 
from France, and Peno was exceptional. I oh, thought. he's. I mean, I, I I declare an injury. I remember him running around Bramley Road as a two-year-old with his dad playing fly off for us, and he was handful then. Frankly, <laughs> <laughs> you know, he really was. Damien, Damien. Uh, but what a player he is! Somebody uh, on Twitter sort of said, uh, you know, pick your wingers from the because it. I thought Darcy Graham had a great, great game for Scotland. Mm. Penno, et cetera, et cetera. Pick it. And I just said Penno and Perm, anyone from the other three, because he is just sensational. If he's not the best wing in the world at the moment, I do mean the world, he's mm. bloody close. I mean, Colt Chesney, Colby, I suppose, he's really close. Can't, uh, I think we've done justice to a great, a great game there. I mean, Ireland, England chaps uh, now becomes huge. Huge for Ireland because they wouldn't certainly wouldn't want to lose two, but it's now become a genuine benchmark uh, mark for Eddie Jones, surely. A genuine benchmark, Ireland at home. If they've got any aspirations whatsoever, they've got to win that, surely. I think the only thing I would say there, Steve, is that, and, and to be fair, the fixtures favour England this year. It's at Twickenham, and, and Alan's already raised the point, and I think it's going to continue through the Championship. Home advantage, now that the crowds are back... Is is back if you like to what it always was a significant factor and Ireland winning Ireland I think are a better team than England you know if you played on a neutral venue if they were playing in a World mm. Cup I'd put my money on Ireland mm. at Twickenham I think that's an even ball game let's uh, let, let's go on to uh, a game which possibly not technically as good but certainly vital for both teams so we we'll stop off at Cardiff on the way to Paris. And uh, one figure towered everyone in Cardiff, I think. That was Dan Bigger. We'll hear from him now. A week is a long time in, in sport when you when you don't get it right. And we didn't get it right against Ireland the week before. We were outplayed in, in every aspect. So it was a tough week. And I think there was just a, short, a sheer amount of relief, really, from, from myself and a lot of the lads in, in the team. Because we know that just keeps our hopes alive in the, in the tournament as well. Because if we'd lost on Saturday, it would have been, it would have been a really tough ask to, to do anything in the tournament. Guys, uh, technical accomplishment, uh, maybe not as uh, uh, as, as high, um, but incredible battle, uh, incredible atmosphere, which is interesting because they've uh, they've they've cut the alcohol content of the beer, but apparently it didn't affect the crowd. Um, they somehow managed to. I think they've had a drink outside as well. But um, it was a brilliant atmosphere, incredibly close game. It was fast moving. Wales won it, in my opinion, on sheer passion and also on the embarrassment of being so awful the week before. Al, what, what are your views? Okay, here we go. Um, <laughs> first half, I was sort of like, okay, this is finally poised. Second half, I think you're right. I mean, anywhere else on the planet, does Dan Bigger manage to hobble his way through the end of that game? I mean, the way he gritted his teeth and got on with it, I mean, you've got to... I don't want to jump too far ahead to, to God or Goddess of the Week or Devil of the Week, but um, he's he's got to be in the running for the way he did that. And it was just, okay, exceptional. We can have questions about whether or not he should have dropped the goal when Wales had a, should have, when he instantly went to drop back and drop the goal rather than maybe try to, to get a try or something because they knew they would have had the penalty kick anyway. In the end, that was academic because Wales managed to hold on from there with just real fire guard defence work uh, against the Scots and my god did Scotland in that second half play right into Wales' hands it was such a stark contrast uh, from even the week before but also the way that they played in November I mean we talk about the way that, that Scotland's backline can play but the way that the entire team just kept running into brick wall it was like watching a cartoon when you see car- characters running into Acme Anvils the way that Scotland just phase after phase after phase just threw themselves into the thresher and realised that they were making no ground whatsoever. I was just completely bereft of direction and it's, it just felt like one of those where Scotland should have been energised after half-time. Darcy Graham's try, um, as Mark mentioned, was exceptional. Just a hell of a finish and that is another guy who pound for pound punches well above his weight it makes no sense. I mean, I will not, not again. Sevens, you know, develop some players. Oh, and um, the but Scotland's star players just the the brains trust, if you can call it that, in Scotland just didn't have any answers, and there were just errors. I mean, the yellow card for Finn Russell. 
mindless stuff this isn't a bad player this is a guy who's capable of cracking games open and winning them on his own but that that was pretty mindless there was a charge down on him there didn't seem a huge amount of direction Duan van der Merva who you know try scoring records last year and just is is lethal fabulous game against England yeah great game mm. against England under the under the high ball uh, lethal his hands completely abandoned him in this one and it just felt like nothing was going right, whereas the emotional barometer was pointing directly to Wales. And I'll tell you what, the bashful smile on the face of Liam Williams summed up that game. Everything he touched turned to gold in that second half. And he, looking at his face, he didn't mean it, some of it, but no. you've you got to take the take the rough of the smooth and you've got to say fair play. I mean, even that out-the-back-door offload from him uh, in his own 22 with pressure bearing down on him. Great stuff, and you know what? Didn't have the quality, probably. Uh, uh, well, didn't have anywhere near the quality of uh, France, Ireland. But who cares? Because it was tight as hell. There was a bonus point for Scotland somehow, and um, we we roll on into the next week, and it's completely changes the narrative. And that's what we want. We want to be talking about games that are so tight, and who the hell knows what the hell is going to happen next with these teams. Yeah, let's be positive about as saying, and that, that was the Scottish perspective. What do you doing? Now, so let's throw from a Welsh perspective. Um, well, it couldn't have got any worse, could it? And it didn't. It got a lot, lot better. And um, I would identify uh, four of the front five uh, for Wales were like a different player. Um, Elias, Francis, Beard and Roland had... It was quite hard to imagine they were the same blokes who went on the park in Dublin because yeah. they 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 scrummed well. Francis has always been a really good scrummager, uh, and 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 he showed that again at the weekend. Um, but they carried that, that we had no carry in Dublin at all. We just couldn't get over the game line. We couldn't win a collision. It was just pitiful. Uh, they won a lot of collisions. They didn't do a lot. They they didn't try and play much rugby. It was pouring with rain. Scotland's. Com- Complete ignorance of the conditions, it appeared to me. What, not watching it live, to be fair, I was staggered by. But but to give Wales credit before having a go at Scotland, which I will, um, I thought they were in a hole. They were in a big hole. It had been a very, very tough week for them. But there are still many, many things wrong with Welsh rugby that one win will not put right. But... It keeps them in the championship. They go to Twickenham now against, and we'll come on to this, I'm sure, not a very, not a great England team by any stretch, um, in a completely different mindset. Scotland, on the other hand, God, I've lost some money on Scotland over the years. I really have. I mean, I... I Try losing your mind. Uh, I, just, <laughs> I just was watching it and thinking, well, let's be blunt here. Finn Russell had a really poor game. Now, that doesn't mean he didn't do some good things. He's such a talent. He's always going to do some good things. He did some terrible things, real basic stuff. Kick out on the full. I mean, come on. That's just, that's unforgivable. Some kind, he should have been charged down twice. Um, he was charged down, yeah. And, and well, yes, you're right, he was once. Wasn't he? It should have happened more than once. He was he was doing those slidey, sort of low-level things off the wrong foot. It was just... It was just really, really poor. Stuart Hogg goes for overcooks of 50-20, hit the ball almost too well. There were just so many errors. And the other thing that I would say, which I think went across the certainly two of the games, certainly in in Rome, or you know, maybe mention that again later, but they lost the penalty count 13-8. And in a tight game, 13-8 nearly always loses you the game. It's getting a bit like rugby league now, where they almost... Just even up the penalty well, count because where, where because that... it's so important. If you lose a thirteen eight penalty count in a really really tight game, and then they blew three lineouts in a row, mm-hmm. that 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 was unforgivable. Of those and, thirteen, I'm pretty sure eight were at the breakdown. Well, as well. they nearly always are, aren't they? These days, I mean, that's where you give away penalties are around the breakdown. If you lose your discipline and you're not precise, and they got a warning early on, didn't they? After about twenty five minutes. That puts you on the back foot, gives the opposition, they, the opposition pack, or not not just the pack, the opposition breakdown for uh, players then go, right, well, we've got we've got some licence here because this lot are on a yellow card. And it was just a really, really, and Scots fans are actually going mad. It's like one step forward, one step back. It's just, it was from a, I'm, I'm delighted for Wales because it would have been, God, if Wales had lost that game badly, 
I, I'm, I think the country would have imploded. Um, <laughs> but but they didn't, and they lived to, to, to go on. Um, Scotland, on the other hand, it's looking horribly like another one of those seasons when they don't make the breakthrough that that team is probably good enough to make. I think they were... Um, I, I think I felt sorry for Scotland in the sense that they they were clearly aspiring to make that breakthrough and they do always just come up short. And now if they say that if they, this is going to be the breakthrough season for them, they're going to have to beat France at home and Ireland away, which, which, is, which is somewhat unlikely. One guy, uh, Mark, I, I, I never really rated, but I, I certainly saw the point of him on Sunday, was Thomas Williams at Scrum Half. I thought yes. he was very clever. Yes, and, he, he did. He uh, played he, well. He kept the opposition back row interested and I, I thought he was good. I, I agree with you about Francis because Wales, uh, 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 you know, you, you take the likes of Antonio Bay, who, 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 who are massive men who can move. Wales's record in producing similar plays is negligible, it's awful. But Francis has had to hold them together for years. He may not be the great athlete, but he, he's managed to hold the whole scrum together for for a long time. I also think that Adam Beard, uh, God knows what happened to him in Dublin, because I think he's actually. Uh, not the new Alan Wynne Jones, but I think he could be a really, really good player. Again, you just wonder, wonder what, um, uh, as you wondered with the Lions, you just wondered whether that what a fit George North could have done for the Welsh team, maybe given a bit more ambition. The only other thing is, though, um, Mark and uh, Al, you can only win, well, I, I'm not saying they won by sheer passion, but it can only be a factor a limited number of times. You have to have a a better team then. So um, we'll come on to England shortly, but uh, it, it was it was a really nice occasion and um, possibly, as we said, technically lacking the accomplishment in Paris. Um, Mark, um, England, Italy, mm. my problem with that is, game is, or it was, as soon as they lost to Scotland, you can go to Italy and whatever you do, there are grounds for saying it is not valid. I mean, whoever is said to have played well, they're playing against a team that's lost 30 odd games on the trot. So was there, did anything come out of it that was concrete for you? Um, I, I guess I just want to say something about Italy to be, before, before I go on to answer that question. Yeah. Uh, people are saying Italy are making no progress. I, I, I don't agree. Um, and I know that sounds ludicrous when they lost 33-0. Um, their scrum was excellent. I mean, it was excellent. It didn't move at all, um, and that that hasn't been the case for quite a, quite a while until very very late on, when the subs came on again. And I keep coming back to the way that the substitution rules are a massive disincentive, not a massive disadvantage for smaller rugby nations, not just in the Six Nations, all over the global game. But their line out only lost one line out all game, mm. and their ball retention is was massively improved. And I don't think this is a coincidence, um, but I'll come back to Italy maybe, but England, I thought it was really, really patchy. Um, there was some really good stuff in it. Um, you know, Genji's creation of George's try was terrific. Uh, I love the way that uh, Marcus Smith manufactured his own first try. Um, there were some good bits in it. There were There were, there were, passages of play but Italy have improved their defence they showed that against France they showed it against the All Blacks actually and when they kept them scoreless for long periods of the game and England had to work quite hard and unfortunately again like Scotland made a huge number of errors they really did make a lot of I'm not going to say they're unforced mistakes but they made an awful lot of handling errors they made quite a few kick kicking errors Marcus played well I mean his pass for Elliot Daly's try in the right hand in the left hand corner was beautiful but I wouldn't be waxing lyrical about it if I'm honest I thought it was mm, all right and no more than that I don't think Harry Randall's box kicking's up to scratch or however good he is in other bits of the game uh, and I think that's such an important part of the game these days like it or not I don't think he will be will be will be t carried away with that too much um, it was all right. I don't think it, we're all a little bit underwhelmed here about England, but what about you, Eddie Jones? Another pleasing improvement, you know, little by little we're edging up and for a, for a young team it was a, a good positive performance because, you know, as, as we know, uh, Italy have troubled, troubled New Zealand in the first half and troubled France in the first half and, and we didn't have that trouble with them, uh, which, was, which was good for us. 
So, listening to that clip from Eddie, it's funny hearing him describe this as a young team. Um, I this there's a phrase that's been pushed out, New England, and I'm uh, to me it just feels like so much fluff uh, because we've got Marcus Smith in and we've got Randall starting and we've got just a, a slightly different feel to a couple a couple of positions in the back pack, but. I mean, I just, I just wonder if, if Owen Farrell's fit, does he come straight back in? Is Manu Tuilagi eventually going to come straight back in? Yes. It's you know, does, mm. is Freddie is Freddie Stewart looking great under the high ball at the back, New England, or is that just a, a couple of selections that have put a gloss on things? And it's, I'd like to see. I don't. I'm not sure if this match is one of those where the England coaches sit down and go, right, what did we learn from that match against Italy? I don't think very much, uh, if I'm honest. And the the real where to to see where they are is how many of these those selections are you going to stick with for 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 Wales? And are we going to see that same halfback combination with the same number eight with with Marcus Smith? Uh, are we going to see any of that? I don't know. Or is it going to be some selections that actually we've seen quite a few times from England? And is that really new England? I just want to. I'm and I, I'm not trying to be negative I just want to see this born out on the pitch and see Eddie, what the new direction is Eddie sounded to me like a drowning man clutching at straws for a start and this this new and old England I totally agree with you, with you Al the, but, but the thing is that it is so chaotic I mean they're not I mean Mark made a very good point about the basis of the French team the basis of this team seemed to be Bath who haven't won a game since 1932 uh, 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 and and I don't think that anyone knows what the heck they're doing. I really don't. Unless someone, uh, Eddie has a, uh, a, a, gets his rugby brain back on, or at least someone gives him a gentle kick in the backside, I don't think they, they have got a clue what they're doing. I, I, mean, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't go that far. I, well, I, I this think... young side thing, if he's saying, oh, these are young side, well, pick an old side then. We don't blame us for the old side, critics for the young side. Uh, well, in that, to a degree, he's damned if he does and he's damned if he doesn't. Yeah, if I he, suppose if, that's if, the, with this If game. he doesn't change the team, which everyone was screaming for last last year, I mean, not that I think it makes any difference. I think he is one of those coaches who genuinely does... He reads it, of course, we all read it. We all read it. But uh, I don't think he takes an awful lot of notice of it. I, I think he trusts what he sees and what he's, in his own way. And... I, I wouldn't be quite as negative. I'd say the jury is out. I don't think it's... Uh, and, 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 and we do tend to generalise from the particular. We've had, we've had an away game in Scotland in which they played... They didn't play badly. They, they, didn't, they should have won it, but they didn't play badly. There were bits of the game I thought were quite encouraging. They beat Italy as you'd expect them to, uh, with too many errors, but also... Give some credit to a nil. It's very, very, very hard to get nil That's in, a great point. in international That's rugby. That's a good point. I don't care who you're playing. And I know Italy turned down numerous shots at goal. Um, but I, I think because England are the biggest team, with the biggest following, with the biggest you know sort of fan base, it, it, they are held to higher standards, and I understand that. That's probably that comes with the that's the pay that's the balance to the, all the resources and all the all the all the all the players you've got to pick from. But I would reserve judgment on this until they've had, in my view, the two big tests, Ireland and France in games four and five. England have shown under Eddie Jones that when it comes to games where they're playing one of the other top five nations, and I think the top five nations now are as clear as day, that's when they play their best. And I... If they, if they go and beat Ireland, well, if they go and beat Ireland and France, they've had a hell of a comp- championship, never mind the loss to Scotland. If they lose to them both, then then I might join the chorus that says, look, this is this is worrying. You say they, 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 they're held to a higher standard, Matt. By who? Have you read the press this morning? It's like England have beat the All Blacks 46 <laughs> 0. Well, the, I, can't, the, the, I can't be held accountable for your for your colleagues, Jonty. Come on. What what, what Eddie doesn't don't realise when he complains about the press is how soft the reception he gets on social media, all these people on the in their in their attics doing websites. Um and, and, and why also he has this unbelievable advantage that when England have played bad. Eddie Jones is the first one to come up. 
and 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 he can give his excuses. So actually, the media leads on Eddie's excuses. Well, but, actually, but his excuses should be the day after. That's true the in every sport. sport. Should be should be this day. That's true in every sports series. When England football beat Albania and when England Test cricket beat uh, Bangladesh, you know, it, it tends to get a very, very positive run. It's just a cultural thing. And, and then when we lose, uh, or England lose, you, you, you get a, you get a, you get a hammering. I mean, I, I again, I would, I would reserve. I know, I know you're not his biggest fan, but uh, I at the moment would, would, would just urge a little bit of. Well, let's just wait and see a bit. I, I Mark, I'm, I'm sorry. I waited to see under Brian Ashton's regime, Andy Robinson's, Martin Johnson's, Rob Andrews, uh, and uh, I waited to see under all those regimes, and I'm not waiting anymore. And I'm happy to say, if you want Eddie Jones's quotes as leading the paper after a big match, don't bother reading the Sunday Times. Well, uh, what I would jump in here, just to just to come in between you guys, is That's all right. Is is, is, a, is, a, is is a few things is. The way that this championship is shaped out, okay, the advantage has been with the home team, so uh, with the exception of Italy, obviously, um, and you know there have been it's there have been pleasingly tight games. So I suppose it's a case of we've got a fallow week now, and then we'll see what Wales and in, in, in with their tails up can produce, and, and hope, hopefully get a chance to rest up and get fit. Uh, some players that were hobbling a bit by the end of their game against Scotland and see where England really are against Wales and that I mean you, we know that that is going to be vim, vigour uh, fireworks everything that you expect from a Six Nations match with two two fierce rivals so from that at least from that point of view we should hopefully get the match to match um, and, then, and then after that I just wanted to, to, to go on for Italy as well if, uh, I it was interesting to hear Mark talk about you know the improvements that they made, and I think that's fair. But that's if, fair point, if we're yeah. if we're gonna if we're gonna treat Italy with respect as well, you have to point out where things were badly. Mm. And the season that Paolo Garbisi has been having in France for Montpellier and it's been terrific, and, and he was so disappointed. And the, the class that he has mm. played with, or the promise that he mm. has shown, he's got to be so much better than he was. Uh, at the weekend yeah. and, and Italy as a whole di- being directed around the park and you know tough moments there was a moment where they got some phenomenal uh, turnovers and yeah. they looked like they were going to get closer and then they just coughed up the line out in, in three deep, times deep in three the enemy times. territory and it was like yeah. this is this is the differences that we're talking about so and, and want- the other thing I'd just like to say the, the, and I've made this point earlier when we talked about Scotland Wales and I'm going to make it again because I think it's in, in I think it's a really interesting change in the in the game, into the whole game, sort of globally. Italy, I haven't seen the number, got absolutely taken apart on the penalty count. Penalty mm. after penalty after penalty. So all their great work in the scrum and the line-out got completely obliterated because their discipline in the breakdown simply was not... Just like Scotland's wasn't. Yep. Scotland lost the game, in my view, because they lost the penalty count. And I would say... Italy went to a thirty went down to a thirty three nil defeat when it probably should have been more like twenty six ten something of that of that nature and mm-hmm. if they if they could just get their discipline up to their set piece they become and I think I said this a few weeks ago their aim this season should be to become a much more difficult team to beat and they they they're just not quite still not quite there there yet although I note. And, and just for all those uh, Italy naysayers out there, right? Um, f- f- France, France um, joined the, the, the four na- the four nations in the five in nineteen ten, right? Didn't win a game for ten years. Now that might have something to do with the First World War, but uh, but you see my my point. That little they, thing. They didn't win a championship for forty four seasons, right? Mm-hmm. Forty four years. I mean, I know Evans talking about the Italian under twenty team that beat England for the first time over the weekend, 6-0. Uh, and by the by, I won't mention by name, because he's a young lad, but can we stop captains at that talking to the referee all the way through the bloody game? It was it was just embarrassing. Um, mm. But this is not an, a one-off. Italy to under 20s, and that is... Uh, 20, look at what France have done on the basis of two outstanding under 20s teams. In under 20s, Italy beat Wales in 2018... They lost by two points to France in 19. They beat Wales again in 2020. They beat Scotland by 40 points 
in 21. And this year now they've beaten England for the first time, who they beat at under 18 level in 2021. Now, that, those aren't one-offs. That is, we let Italy into the Six Nations too late by about 15 years when they were really, really good in the 80s. We blocked them. And now, for the first time in a generation, they look like they might be putting a string of age group teams together because they've made some huge changes to the way their player pathways are. Largely down, I must say, to my friend Conor O'Shea and his team. They've made some huge changes we should we should give those those need those need another four or five years to come through. You need ten years. It's actually um, if you want to, and, and I'll throw this one in. We don't say Wales should stop playing the All Blacks because they haven't beaten them for nearly seventy years. Well, it's not a bad idea though. <laughs> well, just just piggybacking on what Mark said there. Um, it's an interesting point because the, the, what the problem has been for Italy is converting those young talents into yeah. their their pro setups yeah. and getting them playing the way that they should be playing and then integrating well, them into the full national team. For quite but, a long time, they weren't producing anything. Yes, like exactly. That. But now they are. But but it's a horrible plug. But I've got to file this in here is uh, just because whilst we're seeing a lot of stuff yeah. about the the. Oh, Italy, what's the point of them is, you know, if you get the opportunity, please listen to our Six Nations special podcast where we we address this very question and, and some of our colleagues go into good detail about uh, what the real state of rugby in Italy is like at the moment and where the opportunity is, who's potentially waiting in the wings uh, and that kind of thing. So if you get a chance, please listen That's to our Six Nations special podcast. Do you, do you feel that they're on the point of becoming the, an Acme Anvil then? Oh. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. That, oh God, it's hard keeping track of the nonsense that I come up with. Uh, it's it's been a it's been an but emotional all, podcast. But we all this try. One. We all try. It's been an emotional podcast. This one. We should, I should probably take a breath, <laughs> guys. I'll. Um, well, the Six Nations are taking a breath. It probably needs it, but uh, it's been sensational so far. And uh, I just feel it's infecting people from way outside rugby's normal orbit, which, which, which is good. That's it for the Six Nations for the time being. Really enjoyed the the two guys' insights into into all that. Uh, we're going to go on to the Premiership and then end with our God or Goddess of the Week. Six nations and six amazing chances to win an unforgettable adventure for you and five mates in a Six Nations European host city of your choice. To take part, enter online now at greenking.co.uk slash rugby. Six nations, six mates and six international rugby getaways worth £3,000. Scrum down and sign up to win at greenking.co.uk slash rugby and watch all the Six Nations action live at your local Green King pub. Terms and conditions apply 18 plus drinkaware.co.uk. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. The Rock Podcast is proud to be sponsored by Funding Circle. Funding Circle has been supporting small businesses since 2010, so they know that like rugby, running a business takes hard work, drive and a good team supporting you. They've helped Saracens and England hooker Jamie George grow his business. Visit FundingCircle.com to find out how. If you're looking to improve different parts of your business or hire talent with extra know-how, Funding Circle provides finance that backs you and your business to succeed. Funding Circle business finance that backs you. And uh, back to the Gallagher Premiership, which you should keep an eye on. Um, crowds still going along and uh, teams still playing flat out, albeit without their teams, uh, without their best players. Exeter made a comeback win uh, against Gloucester. They was Exeter have been struggling just a little bit lately. We were overhauled by Wasp, if you remember the week before, but 
They managed to beat Gloucester, which is a, which is a decent win for them. Sale flying at the moment, um, big win at home to Worcester, and Wasps. Um, well, they didn't. They played really well with their team ravaged by injury. No one or two are coming back. They're playing equally well. I scored forty-one points, and also Saracens uh, put Harlequins away. Quins and now, unfortunately for them, lost a few on the trot uh, with their key players away. So. That's the Gallagher Premiership still um, rolling along. And it's time now for God or Goddess of the Week. Very difficult this weekend because there were a few stellar performances. We're going to go to uh, Mark first. Yeah, I just want to give a shout out to the Championship, which is, I know we don't spend an awful lot of time on that in this show, and quite and understandably so, but the win, uh, the, I'm going to Bedford Pirates at the, on Saturday. I'm going, going to get a Goldenton Road. I haven't been there for many, many years, so I'm really looking forward to that. And Jersey are playing Ealing. Um, so three of the top four are playing each other at the weekend. And the week after that, Ealing are playing Doncaster, which is going to be really interesting. But Bedford, um, they are my gods of the week. Uh, Bedford, uh, the Blues, Bedford Blues, because to win not just by a point or two but to win quite comfortably and i know ealing made a few changes and rotated a bit nevertheless you know it's a full on it was a full on game and they haven't had the best of seasons bedford but to turn over the league leaders with a massively incre- massively bigger budget um far far many full time players i think that we, we don't get many if you like shock upsets in rugby because it's where it's, it's a collision game it's very very difficult to do i think that is an absolutely fantastic performance and deserves due recognition so we have the the all the squad of 22 is the uh, our god gods i think it's a brilliant one so we're going to say the bedford the bedford the bedford blues starting but, and bench right that, that i couldn't be better I, I i always love going to bedford i think they're a great club I've had great times there. Mark, Mark um, the, the, this end of the championship, the, these, without much assistance, these teams appear to have got them their, themselves together in a way. Do you think there's any hope for the championship now? Uh, do I think there's any hope unless it's reformed significantly and I'm not going to bore you with that at this late stage in the programme? No, I don't. Okay. Uh, it's, we've got to sort out the second tier, but again, a bit like substitutes, maybe that's a, a thing for another day. Okay, well, good luck to the championship teams on on another indeed, day. Indeed, indeed. Al, God of the week. So uh, there was a few. I mean, there was lots of heads, uh, lots of there were lots of names swirling around my head from from the weekend. That's just been uh, Mark mentioned Italy under twenties, and I think they deserve a lot of credit for their result. Um, obviously, I've spoken about Dan Bigger. Uh, I thought he was exceptional, um, standing on one leg. We didn't really debate the, whether he should have done go for the drop goal or not, but uh, it didn't really matter. Um, I thought Liam Williams, everything he touched turned to gold in that second half. But and Cyril Bay, um, by and large, I think he was incredible. Uh, and uh, you can hear me gushing about him all over. But I actually wanted to pull out a, a Mark Evans special and look at the devil of the week. And it, it's a good opportunity to draw attention to the Rugby Europe Championship. Um, as people may know. Uh, potentially three teams from the Rugby Europe Championship can go into the Rugby World Cup the top two teams in that competition will go straight through and the third team will go into a repechage last weekend Portugal pulled off a draw against Georgia uh, a match that many people would not have expected that result Uh, lots were hoping for something special from them we've ended this weekend with Spain at the top of that table uh, Romania in second and Georgia in third and it's because Portugal had their tails up against Romania they were winning 27-13 and they were playing some really good rugby Um, Romania brought on uh, their reserve front row and they started to turn the screw uh, Portugal haven't really looked the, looked the same since they, they lost a few guys uh, Mike Tadger's one of those guys who's a lot of top 14 experience who does well for them up front wasn't, hasn't been available um, and they just started to fall apart and then their scrum half Samuel Marquez um, slapped a ball down got a yellow card and from then on the match spiralled it's a bit harsh to to single him out because his his pack really struggled and and everything came back but Romania went on to win that one 37-27 so poor Marquez uh, I'm going to have to put the mockers on him and he his yellow card was the beginning of the end for them and they ended the match without um 
much to show for it and now they're really up against it to try and get that repechage place to try and qualify for the Rugby World Cup so just thought I'd give a, a shout out to what's going on in Rugby Europe Championship So he's the devil of the week Yes His name again please Al uh, Samuel Marquez Okay Samuel Marquez uh, please so, someone ring him tell him he's won an award He's the ru- <laughs> devil of the week and mine's going to be a bit shorter Dan Bigger Full, full stop, completely immovable, immovable, mentally, just inspirational figure, really nice guy, no airs or graces. And uh, my God, Wales would have struggled without him. They really would. Uh, and that's it for now, everybody. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks uh, as ever to Mark and Al for the excellence of their, of their punditry there. There is one thing I'd like to mention before we go, and that's the passing of Jack Jeffrey, the Evesham winger, after a, a, an accident on the field when he was in the act of scoring. The tributes paid to him for his talent as a player and his, his goodness as a man um, indicate that rugby has lost someone very, very special. And to Evesham and to Jack's family, friends, everyone effect, affected, um, we'd like to offer our real most sincere uh, commiserations and uh, hope the happy memories of him uh, somehow tied you all through that was the ruck we'll be back next week Thanks for listening to the Ruck Podcast. We're delighted to be teaming up with Funding Circle and Funding Circle Ambassador Jamie George is with me. All right, Jamie? Hello. Hello. How are you? All good. Good, good. So away from Saracens and England duty, you are a business owner and Funding Circle is a huge supporter of small and medium sized UK businesses. How have they helped you? Yeah, so uh, I've got a business with a friend of mine. It's a physiotherapy business, effectively delivering the same level of care I get as a professional sportsman to the general public. And we've been looking to expand and grow the business as quickly as we can. And with the financial products that Funding Circle have done, we wouldn't have been able to do it without them. So Funding Circle has been supporting small businesses with access to the finance they need to grow since 2010. And they know that like rugby, running a business takes hard work, drive and a good team supporting you. If you want to invest in your business and take your team to the next level, Funding Circle provides finance that backs you and your business to succeed. Visit FundingCircle.com to find out how Jamie is growing his business backed by Funding Circle. Jamie, can you do the honours? Funding Circle. Business finance that backs you. The biggest rugby tournament of the year is coming to a Green King pub near you. Watch all the unmissable action live as Europe's top six battle it out for glory in the Six Nations tournament. In and out, in and out, for the line! Leave your rivalries at the door and get their team together to watch the Six Nations. Feel the excitement and the buzz of coming together to enjoy matchday food and drink at your nearest Green King sports pub. Scores in the corner! The Six Nations and Green King. 18 plus, drinkaware.co.uk. 